Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The I can't get no satisfaction edition as we look back at the Bengals' 13th loss in 14 games, a 34-13 home defeat to the New England Patriots. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room interviews, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, you'll get to know the person under the pads as we meet rookie linebacker Jermaine Pratt. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Christmas tree ornaments from family vacations. So whenever I travel with my wife and son, we pick out a Christmas tree ornament wherever we go as a lasting reminder of our vacation. For example, there's a little miniature saxophone from a trip to New Orleans, a tiny wooden lobster buoy from a journey to Maine, and a small pint of Guinness from a more elaborate adventure to Dublin, Ireland. So if you haven't done so already, turn decorating the Christmas tree into a travel scrapbook. It's a great and inexpensive way to remember family vacations. Now let's get to football. Sunday's game against the Patriots did not start well for the Bengals. New England got the ball to begin the game and reached the end zone in 3 minutes and 16 seconds. Brady waiting for a shotgun snap. Edelman goes in motion. They fake it to Edelman. Here's a swing pass to the left. It is caught by White. He makes it to the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Great call. That's just a great misdirection call. They got the Bengals' defense totally fooled. When the Bengals got the ball, they weren't looking to fool anybody. They were looking to run it down the Patriots' throats. Here's a pitch to the right. Mixon starts right, looks to cut back, breaks through a tackle, runs to the 45, the 50, still on his feet, cutting back toward the numerals. And Mixon gets tackled at the Patriots' 32-yard line by Stephon Gilmore. That looked like it was going to be a three-yard loss. Guess what? It's a 37-yard game. Should have been. Should have been a three-yard loss. It should have been tackle in the backfield. We've seen Joe Mixon do this multiple times. After running for a career-high 146 yards last week in Cleveland, Joe ran for 72 in the first quarter against the Pats and finished with 25 carries for 136 yards. And I'll tip my hats off to the O-line, man. They, they played that off today. And, um, you know, them boys are getting down and dirty. And, you know, I you know, salute the O-line coach all week. You know, that's what he wanted to do. You know, got to impose our will. And uh, for me, you know, I wanted to set the tone. And I felt like that's what I did today, even though we came up short. I mean, it's 11-man ball. But, you know, like I said, man, them guys in the O-line, they did their thing. Tight ends was blocking hard. And, um, you know, the receivers that was blocking on the perimeter, man, I was just making the play. So, Um, I'll take my hats off to all of them. They did a great job. The Bengals' first five plays of the game were runs by Mixon. Their next three were runs by Giovanni Bernard, moving the ball inside the Patriots' 10-yard line. Eight straight runs to begin this drive. Now it's third down and three at the eight-yard line. Empty backfield, two receivers left, three out to the right. 
Dalton catches a shotgun snap. Cox the arm nice. throws. Caught Get by in. Boyd. Yeah. Spins away from a defender and runs into the end zone for a Bengals touchdown. That's Seathan Carter. I beg your pardon. 82, right. not 83, Seathan Carter. Seathan Carter spun away from Jonathan Jones, makes the catch, and just tight spin move inside, leaves Jonathan Jones in the dust. That tied the game at seven. And on the Bengals' second drive of the day, they took the lead. Huber wiping his hands off on his pants. Now he catches the snap, puts it down. Bullock's kick floating on its way. It is good. And the Bengals have taken a three-point lead with 14 seconds left here in the first quarter. Two drives, two scores. And the Bengals' third drive looked promising as well. On fourth and less than a yard at the New England 30, Cincinnati passed on a 48-yard field goal attempt and decided to go for it. And he's in the shotgun. Mixon to his left. Dalton gives it to Mixon, and Joe did not get it. He stopped. Danny Shelton plugging the middle to make the tackle, and the Patriots will take over on downs. It's easy to second-guess the play call. For example, why run out of the shotgun instead of either trying a quarterback sneak or have Andy Dalton under center and then turn and hand it to a charging Mixon. Here's Joe. I don't really care if I'm in shotgun or, you know, under center, but, I mean, would I prefer being under center? Hell yeah. But, I mean, I don't really care about it, honestly. Why, why, why is it such a big difference if it is under center than it's not in shotgun? I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about an attitude, you know what I'm saying, on how you're going to approach, you know, that next carry. And, you know, when it come about, you know, your mindset is in a shotgun, you know, you got to come across and then you got to read how you got to read your keys out. But at the same time, when you're behind center, you're like, all right, it's downhill. This is what we're doing. This is what we got to get. And, you know, that's just what it is. But, I mean, I thought it was a great call. It's just, you know, one of our men got beat up front. And, you know, them guys get paid on the other side, too. They made a hell of a, they made a, hell of a play. Um, that's not what determined the game. But it did help swing the momentum. A Patriots field goal tied the game at 10. Then, with less than two minutes to go in the half, the Bengals made a costly mistake. Jake Bailey will punt, catches at his own 20, steps oh. into it. The Bengals came close to blocking it. Alex Erickson calls for a fair catch. No, he loses ah. the ball. He lost Dang. the ball. We've got a pile at the 23-yard line. Now the officials are digging in to see who came up with that football. At the 23-yard line, the Patriots have begun celebrating, and they have the football. Well, let's see if they may. Can you review this and see if he was uh, interfered with an opportunity to make a catch? Matthew Slater did make contact with Erickson just as the ball arrived, but no penalty was called. Erickson came out of the pile with the football, but the officials credited the recovery to New England's Justin Bethel. That led to a field goal with five seconds left in the half, giving the Patriots a 13-10 lead. Here's Erickson on his fumble. It was a bang-bang play. Uh, my hands were on it under the pile, and they kept saying Patriots ball, but I just kept holding on to it, and then I, uh, I came out of the stack with it. Uh, but I don't know what the ruling is on all that. Uh, they, they gave the ball to the Patriots. Did the officials say anything after the fact about what they saw on the contact? Um, I think they just said it wasn't – he didn't interfere with me. Um and then I, I don't know what they said about me coming up with the ball. I think they determined that they determined that he recovered it, I guess, uh, somehow. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, obviously, uh, playing the game, it 
you know, you can't make that mistake. The Bengals were only down by three, but the game quickly spiraled out of control in the third quarter. Third down and six. The Bengals at their own 29, trailing by a field goal. 30 seconds into the second half. Shotgun snap. Five-man rush. Dalton with time. Guns a fastball, ah! and it is intercepted by Stephon Gilmore. He looked like the intended receiver. He was in front of Tyler Boyd. Boyd tried to break it up, and Gilmore was there to pick it off. Well, Andy Dalton, for whatever reason, ended up going a little bit back shoulder, and Gilmore was playing back shoulder technique. So he goes back shoulder to throw the football to completion, but Gilmore is playing the route perfectly for that. Seven plays later, the Patriots' lead was 10. Brady drops back to throw. Looking, looking, bouncing in the pocket, still looking. Finish. Brady throws into the end zone. Touchdown in the back of the end zone to Nikhil Harry. Too much time, Dan. Tom Brady was reading the classified ads, drinking a cup of coffee. The pressure's been good most of the day, but on that play, way, way too much time for Tom Brady. Brady's stats were modest. 15 for 29 for 128 yards with two touchdowns and no INTs. Here's Sean Williams. He doesn't have to force anything. With a defense plan, the way that they're playing, you can just run the ball and you can take your shots. When You can pick and choose when you take your so shots, and that's what he did. And they relied on the running game. Their three backs did good today. They did enough to get them to win, and that's, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how pretty how ugly it is. As long as you get a win, that's all that people remember. That's all that matters. Gilmore's interception set up that score, and a few plays later, Stephon Gilmore became Happy Gilmore. Andy ready for the shotgun snap. He has the ball, a blitz coming, quick throw. Oh, no. And it is intercepted. Gilmore streaking down the sideline. He's going to take it to the house for a pick six on his second interception in his many possessions. I'll tell you what, he baited a big time. That made it 27 to 10, and the Patriots' secondary wasn't finished. One deep safety for New England. Dalton drops back to throw against a four-man rush. Chucks it deep downfield, and it is picked off at the 10-yard line by J.C. Jackson. Little bit overthrown. Dalton chucking it off his back foot, and that's interception number three all in the second half. That was three in the third quarter, and that pick came on a pass intended for Alex Erickson. We got to make a play for the ball. We got to run better routes. We got to get separation. And, uh, so I, you know, I know as a receiving core, um, we're taking those three, and it wasn't good enough from us today. And um, you know, the scoreboard reflected that. And um, you know, we got to we got to get back to work and you know figure it out. And it just wasn't good enough as a receiving core today. And um, we got to be better as a group. A Randy Bullock field goal cut the deficit to 14 in the fourth quarter. But after a comically bad onside kick spun to a stop after traveling just five yards, a former Bengal put the game away. Burkhead the running back on first and 10 at the 33-yard line. Brady hands it to him. Burkhead oh. finds a hole up the middle. He's to the 20. Uh -oh. Still running at the 15, the 10, the 5. And he races into the end zone for a 33-yard Patriots touchdown. That made it a 21-point lead, and the Bengals would get no closer. Dalton's going to air it out deep down the left sideline for Ross. It is intercepted again. This time it's picked off by J.C. Jackson, and he'll run out of bounds at the 25-yard line. Oh, man. Andy Dalton tied a career high with four interceptions, and the Patriots won the turnover battle 5-0. Here's Sean Williams. They won the turnover battle, and when you win that, 70% of the time you win the game. And the rate that they did it, that's 100% of the time. We can have five turnovers, five takeaways. 
you should not lose a game. The final score, 34-13, to Patriots. New England clinched its 11th straight playoff appearance, while the Bengals fell to 1-13. Here are Joe Mixon and Alex Erickson. You know, they feed off of turnovers and they make you pay for them, and they've been like that since I probably first started playing football. I mean, I don't really know too much behind that, but, you know, them guys, I mean, they've been like that since I was little, man, and, you know, that's a disciplined football team. All them guys going to be in a gap. They all going to play. They they all going to do their job, and they do it to the best of their ability. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I tip my hat off to them. They created a lot of turnovers, and they didn't make not one. You know what I'm saying? So we got to be better. You, you respect the success that they've sustained, um, you know, the way they do it year after year. Um, obviously, you got to respect that. Um, but, you know, as a competitor, too, you got to – we got to find a way to. You get, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And um, they came in today and uh, they beat us. And we, um, we got to look ourselves critically, see how we can fix it, and get better from it. And um, obviously, they're a good football team. We know that. We knew that coming in. Uh, but you can't you can't turn the ball over. You can't make critical errors like we did today and expect to expect to win the game. There were positives. The defense held the Patriots to 291 yards and only 17 points that weren't the direct result of turnovers. And Joe Mixon topped 100 yards rushing for the second straight week. He needs 75 yards over the final two games to reach 1,000 for the season. But the bottom line for the Bengals is the league's worst record by two games since the Giants beat the Dolphins on Sunday. Following the game, Dave Lapham spent four and a half minutes with head coach Zach Taylor. We're just talking to Joe Mixon, coach, for, for a little bit. and Man, 25 carries, 136 yards, 5.4 carry. You guys came out eight runs in that first drive. You, you, were, you were making a statement, and uh, you were living by that statement you were making. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we couldn't finish the game the same way, you know, and we got down too far, and in the fourth quarter of the run game, you know, we're down three scores, so we got to start throwing it. That's unfortunate because – uh, we went in this game. No one was going to be bloody. No one was going to have to be some ugly runs in there. I thought Joe and the O-line and Geo did a great job mashing up in there. Tight ends were involved. And uh, we just, unfortunately, couldn't sustain the whole game with, with that philosophy because of the way it turned out. I thought your tight ends, as you mentioned, Seath and Carter, CJ, Uzama, they were doing a good job on the edge. I thought with those two stand-up guys, it was going to be hard to run outside on the Patriots. And you guys you guys get outside on them pretty darn well. I, I was impressed. But then you were hammering them up inside as well. So, I mean, they, they were kind of on their heels a little bit. You guys were attacking them multiple ways. I thought, I thought Jim Turner had a, had a great plan in the run game and, and Brian Callahan. And, and uh, our guys executed well. They believed in it. They knew what they were doing. They executed it. Uh, again, it's just unfortunate that we couldn't uh, find a way to, to to be able to rely on that throughout the game. We had to start throwing the ball in the fourth quarter, and that's what hurt us. Obviously, the number that jumps out, you don't have to be a football Einstein to figure out that you can't go minus five against the Patriots and expect to win a football game. Oh, that's that's what it came down to. You know, that's um, they've they've led the league in turnovers for a long time, and that's what they did to us today. You know, and it was a lot of them were just one on ones. It wasn't. Um, I wouldn't say they were bad throws. It was just we had some one-on-ones that we had to take some chances at, and then those guys went and made the plays, and we didn't. So you're looking at uh, your offensive line, I think, is, is, is really starting to, to build some confidence. And I think 
you know, in a season like you're experiencing, you're looking for things to hang your hat on as a, as a group. And I know as an offensive lineman, I want to get Joe Mixon 1,000 yards next week against Miami. I want to get it for him early in that football game. Are guys kind of rallying around that, do you think? It's not something we've talked about. We ju we're just trying to win a football game and, and be successful enough on offense to give ourselves a chance because our defense is really playing their tails off right now. And they're, they're playing winning football. And, you know, we, we put them in a bind today. And so that, that's what our focus has been. Uh, Tom Brady, 15 of 29 for 128 yards. Now, he did have two touchdowns. He didn't turn it over, no no turnovers. And you, you sacked him twice and hit him. I, I bet you hit him at least eight times. I mean, you were making – everybody was making their presence felt around him. Even if he got rid of it, it's like, yeah, Tom, we're here. I, I thought the defense, the, the plan was great. The guys executed it. They got the run, run off at the end of the game with Burkhead there that scored that was disappointing. Um, but they, they, again, they gave us a winning effort and shoot, they probably scored 17 points off the turnovers. They had the, the onside kick in which they capitalized on, which led to that big run. There's 24 points right there. So our guys, our guys did enough to give us a chance to win this game. Uh, no, no sacks and one quarterback hit based on that running game. You know, you get the line of scrimmage established hard for guys to tee off in the pass rush, although, like you said, you get down in the number of scores you have to throw. I thought the offensive line still hung in there pretty well protection-wise. I, I thought our guys up front gave us a chance to win the football game. And again, it just comes down to the turnovers. But um, I, they, they executed the plan that we had in place. We felt good about it going into halftime and came out the second half, just had too many turnovers. Yeah. What, so what do, you, what do you tell guys after a game like this? Because like you said, it wasn't lack of effort, played hard, just didn't play intelligent enough. What do you tell the guys? Well, that's the championship teams win the turnover battle, and that's that's what happened today. You might have walked out of here feeling like you had a winning effort, um, but we can't be pointing fingers. You gotta you gotta still look deep down and figure out what what could I have still done better that could have made this game go the other way. And um, it's just it's a hard lesson for us to learn right now, but we need to learn it. We need to learn from this experience. Defensively, you had the fourth down stop, and then you moved it, and they stopped you on like fourth and a foot, and then it it just seemed to fall apart from there. They didn't fall apart after their stop on fourth down, but seemed like fell apart a little bit after that stop on fourth down. Is it, it seemed like momentum really shifted back. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, we, we had that one last drive after that at the end of the half. We went three and out, punted, um, and then came out in the second half and just had two turnovers right away. And so that's um, – I, I felt like we were still being efficient on offense on the first and second down plays for the most part. It's just we uh, had too many turnovers. Yeah, in the first half you averaged like – I think it was 5.5 .5 per play on first down and 11 runs, one pass. I mean, you guys were pounding them on first down in that running game with regularity. I, I thought our guys really responded to the challenge up front and, and again, believed in what we were doing, understood what we were doing. Um, Joe and Gio were doing a great job running. And uh, so that, that part was really good to see early. The Bengals have two games left, on the road at Miami next week, and a home game against Cleveland to end the season. If they lose either of those games, the Bengals will have the number one pick in next year's draft. Now time for post-game analysis with Lap. If people want to know how the Patriots have wrapped up a playoff berth and how they can be 11-3 despite the fact that Tom Brady has the poorest statistics of his NFL career, this was the game. They followed the formula to a T. Oh, you don't have to be a football Einstein to digest this one. They were plus five in the turnover battle, the Bengals minus five. I mean, game, ball game. I don't care. You'd have to outgain them by 300 yards to make up that difference. I mean, you, you win the turnover ratio plus five, it's 99.99999. If not 100% of the time, you win the football game. You know, the Bengals may have outdistanced them with yards, might out of this, out that. It doesn't matter. You go minus five and 
you uh, give them extra possessions and you give them short fields with those extra possessions, you're just uh, barking up the tree of defeat. And it's unfortunate because the defense continues, in my opinion, to play winning football. Brady was under 50% or just over 50% for 128 yards. You know, two touchdown passes, no interceptions, no turnovers by the New England Patriots. So they're saying we're winning with our special teams and our defense, and we're just not going to screw it up offensively. They are now plus 24 in the turnover department. The Bengals on the season are minus 16. That's a 40 differential. That I mean, that that says why one team's in first place, why the other team's in last place. It's interesting in looking at this Patriots defense. Most teams prioritize pass rushers, edge rushers. The Patriots, not so much. They spend their money on linebackers and corners. Their linebackers can move up front and play on the defensive line, and it's a formula that works incredibly well for New England. They prioritize two things, intelligence and versatility. You have to be smart as a whip because Bill Belichick gives you a lot. You have to be able to digest a lot of things. And then he wants position versatility because he gives you so much, he wants you to be able to do more than one thing. You know, he's got linebackers playing defensive end. He's got safeties playing linebacker and vice versa. I mean, you know, he, he basically breaks a lot of your rules that you've got from a blocking assignment standpoint. You can't go by numbers anymore. You have to go by positions. That's not a safety anymore. That's a linebacker. That's not a linebacker anymore. That's a defensive end and, and adjust accordingly. And, and he puts a lot of pressure on you. And I thought, you know, I mean, Joe Mixon goes 25 carries, you know, over 130 yards, 5.4 a carry. He's got over 280 yards rushing in the last two football games, I thought the offensive line played winning football. They No quarterback sacks, one quarterback hit. And it's easier to pass block when you have Joe Mixon getting off like he is. But, man, you know, I, I think some of the interceptions, Dan, were a two-pronged thing. Did Andy make the greatest throws? No, not necessarily. Did his receivers fight like hell to make sure he didn't have an interception? No, not necessarily. So the only guy that I thought reversed roles and played defensive back, Tyler Boyd, prevented another interception prevented a fifth interception and a sixth turnover by reversing roles because the defensive back had better position on him at the end of the route than he did, but he made sure he didn't come up with it. Spoke to Alex Erickson after the game about one of the key plays, the punt that he was not able to handle that was recovered by the Patriots. Borderline, whether there was interference as he tried to make the catch, it wasn't called. He comes up with the ball at the bottom of the pile. It was credited to the Patriots on the recovery. That's a key play. Uh, that that helped the the Patriots swing this game. Two things happen in that play, and it's in the last two minutes of the half, so the Bengals can't challenge. It comes, you know, from from the booth down rather than the field up to the booth, and it goes back to New York City. Did Slater get his hand on Erickson before he fielded the football? Did he grab him prematurely to interfere with his opportunity to make a play on it? Again, it is bang, bang, but it looked like it could have been called. And then you can't blow your, you can't, um, decide too soon about possession because sometimes the strongest hands and the strongest wrists win in the tug of war in the bottom of a pile. Particularly a guy that's got adrenaline pumping because he's so upset that he fumbled the football. You know, I'm sure he's like, I got to get that football. And you're doing everything you can to get that football. So they blew it dead before, obviously, before he came up with possession of the football. So there was a, uh, a two part series to that turnover, and both parts went against the Bengals. There were two fans in attendance at Paul Brown Stadium today wearing Patriots jerseys that traveled here from Hawaii Hmm. because they wanted to see Tom Brady in person at age 42, just in case they won't have many more opportunities. They didn't see him have a great statistical game, but they did see him improve to 7-1 and 
against Cincinnati. Seven and one, courtesy of the secondary. Each cornerback had two interceptions. Those guys were unbelievable. I mean, their secondary, you talk about blanket coverage. My goodness. You know, it was like it was like they were spray painted on them. I mean, there was Velcro. There was no separation a lot of times. They ran the route better than the receivers did. I mean, they would take over and be, I'm the guy running the route. I'm the primary receiver on this football play. So that comes with film study, good coaching, preparation. They made plays. They, they made they made plays they had to make to win the football game. They got stopped on fourth down, equivalent to a takeaway for the Bengals' defense. They didn't panic. The Bengals get on the field. They get stopped on fourth and a foot out of the shotgun instead of under center, which is going to be questioned forever. Um, but at any rate, they make a play. And at that point, the game turned. They didn't panic when the Bengals stopped them on downs. They stopped the Bengals on downs. And then a flurry of turnovers and maladies and everything else follow for the Bengals. And the Patriots just keep their poise, take snap after snap, finish the game, go 11-3. and three. Bill Belichick improved to 16-4 in his career against the Bengals, and it hasn't mattered whether he was coaching in Cleveland or New England. He was 8-2 as the Browns head coach, and now he's 8-2 as the Patriots head coach. Now time for this week's Fun Facts conversation as we get to know the person under the pads. This week, it's a third-round pick in this year's draft out of NC State. Time for some fun facts with Bengals linebacker Jermaine Pratt from High Point, North Carolina, not too far from Greensboro. I read an old interview where you said you grew up in a rough part of, of High Point. Tell us a little about it. I mean, like every city had like a rough part of somewhere. You know, grew up in poverty, growing up with my mom and my brothers and my grandma. I mean, things tough for us, like hard for us over time period. You know, you go through like rough times and you learn from an experience and then apply it to your life. So... Over time period, I like learn how to get through adversity, like I'm dealing through now. Just learn how to get through it and still find that joy and love for the game each and every day. Your mom worked three jobs to try to make do for you and your brothers, correct? Yes, she worked three jobs, like to help us to get what we wanted when we was young. How much respect and admiration do you have for her for what she did when you were a kid? I have a tremendous, like it's unconditional much respect I have for her and unconditional love I have for my mom. I read that one of your goals in trying to get to the NFL was the hope of being able to provide a better life for her. Yes, absolutely. That's my main focus. Like in college, is providing a new fam, like a new place for us to live, safe that I can go back home and be feel comfortable where we live at. And I had the opportunity to do this before the season started to get her and move her to Charlotte, North Carolina, and better to give her a safe place where my niece and them can come out and be able to play in the backyard and stuff without anything going around. How great is that? I mean, that must be the greatest feeling in the world to be able to do that. I mean, yeah, it's great. It's a great feeling, you know, unreal. We're doing fun facts with Jermaine Pratt. Tell me some of the things you were interested in as a kid. Football, of course, like sports. I like basketball, I like baseball, and I play, and I ran a little bit of track. Were you the best player on the team in pretty much anything you played? I would say I was, like, the most athletic, like, fast and quick and, like, grasp the thing, just, like, catch up on things quick and know how to play. So after a great high school career, you elected to go to NC State, which isn't too far from where you grew up. You could have gone just about anywhere, I'm sure. Why did you choose NC State? Um, close to home. 
like for my mom and my family to come to the game. I thought it would be a great place. It's not that too far because I was like a mama's boy. Like I was, <laughs> I didn't want to leave home, but I didn't want to go too far. So I just went to NC State. So you show up there at 195 pounds, if I've read correctly, and it didn't take you long to start uh, adding weight and muscle. I went in early. I graduated high school early, and then I enrolled. By the spring semester, I the spring ball, I was like 230. So I gained a lot of weight fast. And was it strictly a matter of you've got the, the training table that a college athlete has access to, and, and really for the first time in your life you were able to to feast on, on some of these healthy foods? Yeah, I would say that. Like, they had a great program over there. You know, just and be able to eat three times a day was something I wasn't used to. Most of the time I eat like once or twice because I played football throughout. I didn't like being home because there wasn't really much to do at home, so I always played football or, or basketball or ran track. So I was gone most of the day, so I was on, always on the run. Like, you know, when you're little, you're having fun, you forget to eat. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the most of the part. You started out as a safety. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked the safety. I mean, I liked it to be back there and have fun, you know what I mean, because – I like Ed Reed, the way he played. He was a ball hawk, so I loved the way he played the game. So I always wanted to be a safety. And then I didn't. Then they switched me to linebacker, which was a great decision. Were you happy about that decision right off the bat, or were you initially a little bit reluctant? I, I really didn't know too much about linebacker. But I've, I was a little bit hesitant. But I knew for me to make it to this level, I had to switch to linebacker. So then I got injured going to the juniors on season. So I embraced it, started embracing it, started working with the strength coaches, like you get rehab and stuff, and then moving the linebacker was the best thing I did. How did you juggle football and schoolwork at NC State? I say they got a great program over there, so they'll give you all the tools that you need to be successful. It's up to you to do it. You know, we got the, the, the academic system is huge there. You know, most of the all people that I went to college with when I first got there, they at least got a degree, so it's huge. They're like, you'll get your degree before you leave as at a program like that. Describe your draft experience. My draft experience was crazy. I mean, I would say, like, it was something I always prepared for my whole life, but it was hard and real. Like, you just waiting, then you finally get that call, and then the joy. You're just so happy for a team to believe in you and just want you to be successful. And people just call you, coach call your phone and tell you, hey, we want to pick you at third round 72 pick. I was so, you know, it was unreal. Just get your name called on TV and then just back to work, basically. We're doing fun facts with Jermaine Pratt. What's the best part, in your opinion, about being an NFL player? I mean, the game. I mean, the best part is always just playing football. You know what I mean? Coming to work and each and every day, coming to work, something that you love to do. You know what I mean? Matter if things going wrong or not, you still playing the game you love. You know, you got a group of guys in there still fighting. You know, things ain't going right, right for us this season, but they're still in there fighting, still loving to come work and still have joy in their life. You know what I mean? Some people get down and stuff because what they go through at work and stuff, but you have a group of guys in there still love this game, and this game brings so much to them that they don't never let lose sight of it. You're a goal setter, correct? Yeah. Do you write them down? Yeah, I was writing it down, and then I just started like this. This how to go day by day now. Do you check them off when you reach them? I did in college. I did. Hmm. Yeah. A few more fun facts for Jermaine Pratt. What do you like to spend your money on? 
my money, I say most of my money go to my family. I say I haven't spent that much because it ain't. I don't really do that much, so I just be like food, and then like just give my mom money, like stuff, and then my nieces. I actually went shopping for them for Christmas. So yeah, most of my money go to my my family. Do you have a guilty pleasure when it comes to food? Is there some unhealthy thing that you just have a hard time saying no to? I say sweets, like Little Debbie cakes, like oatmeal cakes, and then like honey buns and stuff. You work it off. You'll be fine. If you could meet anybody in history, famous athlete, politician, historical figure, religious figure, whoever it might be, who would that person be? LeBron James. LeBron is like a huge role model in today's society. The way he carries himself and the way he gives back to the community of Ohio. Ohio just building the foundation for kids. You know, school is a huge part. Getting that foundation early, you learning how to read and write and how to add and stuff. That's huge. I appreciate your time. You're off the hot seat. Best of luck. All right, thank you. That's Jermaine Pratt. Here's a quick invitation to join us on location this week. On Friday afternoon from 3 to 6, we'll be at Buffalo Wings and Rings, Beckett Ridge location, for the Bengals Pep Rally Show. A player will join us in the final hour, and we'll have plenty of giveaways, too. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe, and if you have a moment, give it a rating or share a comment. Those five-star ratings help more fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde. Thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.